to you, Darren Dupree Jordan, duly elected president of the North Carolina State Bar, solemnly and sincerely swear that you'll support the Constitution of the United States, that you will be faithful and bear true allegiance to the state of North Carolina and to the constitutional powers and authorities which are or may be established for the government thereof, and that you'll endeavor to support, maintain, and defend the Constitution of said state, not inconsistent with the constitutional laws of the United States, and that you will well and truly execute the duties of your office as president of the North Carolina State Bar to the best of your skill and ability and agreeable to the laws, so help you God. I do and I will. Congratulations. Hello again and welcome to the State Bar's podcast, Bar Talk. I'm Peter Bolak and I'm here today with Ethics Counsel Brian Oten. Hi everyone. And we are going to give you a recap of the October quarterly meeting, also known as the annual meeting of the North Carolina State Bar Council. There's a lot of great things that happened in October, and we want to get you caught up on all of, all of the events and all of the actions of the State Bar Council in as quick as time as possible. And we're going to start out with uh, the big deal of every October is the changing of the guard here at the State Bar, and we have new officers sworn in. Um, most importantly, the new president of the North Carolina State Bar is now Darren Jordan, criminal defense lawyer from Rowan County. Uh, Darren is going to be the president for the next year, and the president-elect is Marcy Armstrong, uh, a family lawyer from Smithfield. And the uh, new, the newest officer is the vice president, and that is Todd Brown, a lawyer from Charlotte. And then now we have our outgoing president becomes the past president, and that is Barbara Christie from Greensboro. And uh, we had a great year with Barbara, and, and we're glad to have her stick around for another year as the past president. That swearing-in took place uh, Thursday night, and Friday morning the State Bar Council met for its annual meeting. And was uh, we were happy to have with us the Chief Justice um, of the Supreme Court, Paul Newby, was uh, able to attend in person and address the State Bar Council, and we're always grateful to have him there. And earlier in the week, the State Bar um, presented the John B. McMillan Distinguished Service Award to two recipients. Uh, one was uh, retired Chief Judge Linda McGee, and the other is lawyer Reed Phillips from Greensboro. So. Congratulations to Judge McGee and Reed Phillips uh, for your deserving awards, um, and it was a great presentation and a, and a great night, and I think everyone always enjoys giving out those awards um, from the State Bar. Brian, um, now that we've got all the formalities out of the way, let's get into the meat of the meeting. <laughs> hey there. And uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about the, uh, the Ethics Committee's meeting? Uh, and any opinions or anything that came out of that meeting. All right. So to the extent that anyone is listening right now uh, and you're running on that treadmill, feel free to kick it up another notches, a couple notches, because uh, we're going to get your heart going on these discussions about ethics issues. Uh, now, the ethics committee met on Thursday, and there are a number of different issues that are pending before the committee. Um, I have to say there's one that's been pending for a while uh, uh, that deals with a lawyer's ability to comment publicly 
on what otherwise is confidential information, but that if that information is actually contained in the public record. We had an opinion issued last year in October of 2020 that generated a ton of feedback, mostly telling the state bar uh, and the ethics committee and the staff that we got it wrong and we don't know what we're talking about. We have to say uh, that we love that sort of engagement uh, because that's a part of self-regulation. And so that uh, committee uh, was reporting and we had an over an hour discussion on what exactly it means to exercise and carry out this duty of confidentiality. Uh, I'm not going to go into all of that now, uh, but I will just say that that is still pending. For those of you that may be listening that offered a comment, uh, please keep your uh, uh, your eyes out for uh, an update in January because that was hotly debated with some really good, intelligent uh, points being made uh, really uh, for and against the opinion uh, at the Ethics Committee meeting. I tell Brian that he's wrong all the time. It feels great. Yes, that's that's totally fine. But again, I always dare people uh, to attend the ethics committee meeting or read one of these ethics opinions and not have an opinion, because I think you will find that you have one. So as far as what did the ethics committee produce? Uh, well, we did publish two ethics opinions during the past quarter. Those two were both sent back to subcommittee. Uh, in particular, uh, one of the uh, one of the opinions dealt uh, with uh, whether or not it's permissible for a lawyer to participate or employ. Google's local service advertisement program. That is going back to subcommittee. We received a lot of uh, comments on that and some really good and compelling uh, thoughts on that particular opinion. So that's going back to subcommittee. Look for an update in January on that opinion. Uh, But the ethics committee did uh, published two new opinions uh, this quarter. One of them deals with uh, the lawyers uh, or just a lawyer or a law firm's professional responsibility uh, in handling a departing lawyer's email account, a seemingly simple issue that gets really complex as you start getting into the weeds of how uh, that email account is supposed to be maintained. Can it be left open? What sort of auto replies are permissible? Things of that nature. So keep an eye out for that opinion. Uh, the other opinion that was published is a revised version of proposed 2021 FEO3. This is an opinion that dealt with charging fees to opposing parties in residential real estate transactions. Uh, This one also was published earlier this year, got a lot of comment. That comment uh, generated additional subcommittee study and they've revised that opinion. Uh, So if you're out there and uh, you hop over to the State Bar's website, please do take a look at those ethics opinions. And if you have an opinion, submit your opinion uh, to the State Bar's ethics committee via uh, email, ethicscomments at ncbar.gov is where you can send your uh, your feedback. Oh, I thought you were going to say opinion again there. I w- almost did, and okay. I caught myself. <laughs> um, so the other thing that uh, came out of both the ethics committee and the executive committee, and ultimately was approved for publication by the State Bar Council uh, on Friday of the meeting week, uh, was a new revised comment Uh, to Rule 1.1. As some of you may remember, uh, the State Bar Council published a comment to Rule 1.1 that addressed a lawyer's competency uh, with regards to knowledge of implicit bias and cultural differences that uh, impact uh, the representation of a client. Published that earlier this year, and we received a a great deal of feedback. Uh, Again, that feedback generated further subcommittee discussion and ultimately a revision to the proposed comment. 
So a revised comment has made it out of subcommittee and was approved for publication by both the Ethics Committee, the Executive Committee, and ultimately the full council. Uh, and this comment is out there uh, for uh, the profession's uh, uh, feedback uh, and, and, and uh, uh I guess, commentary here uh, as we move forward over this next quarter. The new language says this, uh, the con- and this is, again, this is a comment to Rule 1.1 on competency. It would say that a lawyer should be aware of implicit bias and cultural differences relative to a client or anyone involved in a client's matter that might affect the lawyer's representation of the client. Such awareness enhances a lawyer's competency and works to ensure understanding of the client's needs, effective communication with the client and others, and adequate representation of the client. So once again, if you have any sort of thoughts on this proposed amendment to the rules of professional conduct, particularly in this case, this is a new comment to Rule 1.1, feel free to send in that comment to ethicscomments at ncbar.gov. Thank you, Brian. Um, one of the uh, big highlights of the week uh, was the issues committee in which there were two reports submitted that really are the culmination of uh, over a year of study on two different subcommittees from the issues committee. And we're excited to, to get these reports uh, completed and then uh, very shortly to get these shared out with um with the lawyers of the state and also with other organizations and stakeholders who could use these reports to decide whether to take any action. Uh, the first report is, uh, was that of the issues subcommittee that's studying the compensation and caseload of, of private appointed counsel. And uh, this report uh, really was the result of a, of a survey that was sent out to lawyers uh, who were on the uh, appointed lists and are no longer on the list or are still on the appointed lists for uh, court-appointed work. And uh, this committee uh, put together a really great report uh, that shows uh, where their potential issues related to the um, private appointed counsel's ability to ethically uh, carry out their duties uh, in light of uh, shortages in compensation or over-demanding caseloads. And this report's going to be shared uh, with all of interested stakeholders uh, and is going to be available shortly on our website for you to see. The second report is a subcommittee that was studying the secure leave process in North Carolina and looking at ways to improve this process to make it more flexible for lawyers, um, easier to use, um, and really all, all around just really improve this process. And they, this committee has come out with a, a number of, of recommendations, including the shortening the number of uh, the minimum number of days that you can take. Uh, you know, instead of it being a full calendar week, you, they recommend being able to take a shorter number of days on secure leave, being able to request that leave um, within a shorter time frame and not have to uh, request your secure leave 90 days out and a number of other recommendations that I think should really improve this process. Uh, that, that report is going to be shared. It has been shared already with the Chief Justice's Commission on Professionalism. It's going to be shared with, with the court and any other interested stakeholders and also available on our website. That committee also did a survey and got a, a great response from lawyers in the state that allowed them to put together these recommendations. Uh, there are two other uh, uh, subcommittees that are that are studying various issues, and Brian 
quickly tell us about those? Yeah, so the the two subcommittees that are um, kind of carrying over into the new year, uh, the Subcommittee on Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion uh, plans to conclude its work and issue a report in January. And the subcommittee that's studying regulatory change is also planning to conclude its work over this next quarter and issue its final report and recommendations in January. So keep an eye out for those reports as well. I think they'll be very interesting. The executive committee uh, every October has to uh, make various annual determinations. Uh, one of the uh, decisions that it has to make is is what uh, annual dues will be charged for the for the following year. The executive committee recommended and the council adopted that dues will remain at three hundred dollars uh, for for lawyers, and then there will likely be the additional twenty five dollar uh, client security fund fee. This $300 dues is, 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 has, is the longest period we've ever gone without an increase. Uh, it's, it's, it is the statutory uh, maximum. Uh, this is the longest we've ever gone without a statutory increase and the longest we've ever gone without a dues increase for lawyers. Uh, we're, we're proud to be able to, to be fiscally sound in a way to be able to keep dues at 300 and we'll see how long we we're able to do it, but it, it certainly is nice to know that it's that we haven't had an increase in well over 15 years uh, for the statutory increase. Uh, the uh, big two big news items that I think everyone's always waiting to hear, Brian, are uh, the random audit counties for the next quarter and the grievance statistics. So why don't you take the random audit counties and I'll cover the grievance numbers. Sure. So the lucky folks in... Districts 18 and 21 are up for random audit over this next quarter. District 18 is composed of Chatham and Orange counties, and District 21 is composed of Anson and Richmond counties. And so you'll already, uh, you know, begin getting contacted by Ann Parkin, our random auditor, to set up uh, trust account audits for uh, randomly selected lawyers in those districts. And we'll try to give you those updates every quarter on which counties are going to be randomly audited. The final uh, juicy information that everyone hung around to hear is the Grievance Committee numbers. Uh, during the quarter, the Grievance Committee considered 328 files. The committee dismissed 273 files. Uh, of, the, of those files that were not dismissed, one lawyer was referred to the Lawyer Assistance Program. Ten lawyers were referred to the Trust Account Compliance Program. Three lawyers received letters of caution. Eleven lawyers received letters of warning. Five lawyers received admonitions. Five lawyers received reprimands, two lawyers received censures, and ten lawyers were were referred to the Disciplinary Hearing Commission for trial for consideration of potential suspension or disbarment. Uh, that is the work of the Grievance Committee, and uh, this summary was the work of the State Bar Council. Uh, we are always um, happy to hear your feedback. As Brian mentioned, anything related to proposed rules or proposed ethics opinions, you can send those that feedback to ethics comments at ncbar.gov. Uh, any other uh, feedback, you can certainly find our contact information on the website, ncbar.gov, or reach out to us in uh, other ways. And we're happy to uh, hear any opinions or ideas that you might have about the state bar. And if there's any information that you need, uh, we are here to try to provide it. I also want to encourage folks, if you are a lawyer seeking ethics advice, feel free to contact the ethics staff at ethicsadvice at ncbar.gov. 
We're excited to be able to roll out some new features for lawyers uh, in the coming quarter, and we'll have a, I'm sure we'll have a podcast here in the next couple of weeks that will uh, highlight the changes that we're going to be making to the lawyer portal of our website that I think lawyers are going to be really pleased with. And so look, look uh, forward for that podcast here in the coming weeks that previews the, the new portal and gives you some uh, guidance on how that rollout is going to take place at later this quarter. Uh, until then, uh, thanks for listening. I hope you'll subscribe to Bar Talk uh, wherever you get your podcasts, and we hope to see you next time.